Welcome to Passion Life Church. for tuning in today. Today we begin a brand new series that I've entitled Built to Last. And uh, I really believe that this series is going to be a word in season for your life. And I'm believing that this this, this, uh, series is actually going to help us have a little deeper insight uh, to what God has for you and his understanding of how he works. And and I want to really cultivate the builder in you, the designer, the, the, the creativity in you, because I really believe it's time to build. Would you say that with me? Say it's time to build. Come on, type that in the chat today. Say it's time to build. Come on, say it again. Let's say it louder. Say it's time to build. You know, I realize and I understand that this last year and a half has been very, very tough for some people. It's been difficult for people, you know, because our lives were were disrupted in this last year, even now this last year and a half. And, you know, there's been loss. Uh, People have lost loved ones. I've lost loved ones, but not not to COVID. I've lost my father in the last, you know, year and a half or two. And I I just lost my my, my grandmother. And and, uh, but a lot of people have lost loved ones and friends. You know, other people have built a business and, and they lost clients. They, they've lost financially. There's, there, there's been loss. They lost customers. And, you know, other people had just become disconnected because of what's been going on in the last year and a half. But I want to encourage us today because our God is a builder. And not only is he a builder, he is a rebuilder and he is a restorer. And I believe it's time to build. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to first Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. You know, I think when we think about the character of God, when we think about the attributes of God, I think we can say, you know, Phil, God is love. That is his character. How many are grateful today that we have a God who loves us unconditionally? Let me see your hand. I mean, I'm just grateful. Are you grateful? He is love. That's part of his attributes, you know, but he's not only love, but the Bible says he's just and, and he deals justly with us. And that is a part of his character. It's a part of his, his attributes. And how many of you know he is holy? He's holy. It's part of of his character. It's part of of his attributes. But I want to tell you, a lot of times we don't realize that there's another part of his character and another part of his attributes that we don't talk about a lot. And that's that he's a builder. He's, He's a builder. And God loves to build. God loves to create. God loves to design. I mean, he loves to create. Have you ever, have you ever been out on a boat and you see the, the beautiful fish of the, of the sea? Some of us will have even fish tanks that we have beautiful fish that we can look at. That was God's idea. You see, you know, the birds in the air, you know, but you look at the fish, you, 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 you have a tank or an aquarium that you have in your, in your, in your house and, and you have fish swimming because you want to see them. You go outside and you see the beautiful birds of the air. I mean, where we live, we see ducks and swans. And I mean, it's just really, really incredible. And then, you know, God is such a designer. I don't know if you've ever gone outside and you look up and you see the clouds. And sometimes I find myself just taking pictures of the clouds because I'm like, wow, it just looks like God took a brush and he painted the clouds and man, they look so beautiful. And then, you know, you go out and you can look at the beautiful oceans. And I love, I love spending time by the ocean. God loves to create. God loves to design. God loves to build. And I want to talk today about that. I want to talk about how you are God's building. Did you find first Corinthians chapter three, verse nine? Let's read. It says, for we 
are God's fellow workers. One translation says we are God's co-laborers together. So we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, this is the apostle Paul talking, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. Ooh, that's good. Let each one... Would you guys please just turn me down just a little bit um, in, in, house, in the house? I, I'd really appreciate that. It says this, According to the grace of God, which has been given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you today about how you are God's building. Would you turn to your neighbor real quick and just say, I am God's building. And if you would, guys, if you would please turn me down, I'd really, really appreciate it. That would help me a lot, turning down my microphone. Thank you. I want you to turn to your neighbor one more time and say, I am God's building. Come on, say it. Say, I am God's building. Now, when you think about Jesus, I think that... um, what, what kind of things come to mind? I think that when you think about Jesus, you think about he was born in a manger. You think about he's our savior. You think about he's our, our healer, right? He's uh, the son of God. He's the re- resurrected one. I like the story of the guy who came to the pastor and he said this. He said, he said, why are you always preaching on the birth of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And then the pastor told the man very nicely, he says, well, sir, I think you just need to come to church more than Christmas and Easter. Come on, somebody right? You need to come to church, right? But actually, when you look at Jesus's life, God emphasized that Jesus was a builder. He was a builder. What did he do in his earthly years on the earth, right? What was he known for in his community? When you think about Jesus, what skill was Jesus trained to do before he went into the ministry, right? Before he did that, what did he, was he trained to do? What was Jesus's vocation? Actually, it was for 30 years. His ministry was only for thir- for three years, but for a good portion of his life, he was a carpenter, right? And he was born to a man named Joseph who was a carpenter. And Joseph had built an incredible business. And how do we know that he's built an incredible business? Because when Jesus walked and came to his own town in Mark 6, 3, it says they scoffed at Jesus. They didn't see him as the Lord. They didn't see him as a healer. They said, there's that carpenter. There's that builder. There's that builder. And so we know and we understand that Jesus, his profession, his vocation was a carpenter. But I looked up that word carpenter in the Greek because I think it's telling of what that is. It's the word tech. Uh, tecton. And it means this, because I think that word tecton to mean a carpenter is a kind of a bit of a mistranslation. In fact, it's more aptly translated uh, into the word contractor or as a builder. And I think you would find that this whole word carpenter in the Greek language means this. It means to bring forth. It means a founder. It means a creator. It means a craftsman. And in this time, a carpenter didn't, didn't just work with wood. A carpenter actually would work with stone. So I want you to think about this for just a minute. 
Jesus walked on the earth as the son of man, right? But he was the son of a man named Joseph in his earthly time here who built things. But yet as the son of God, he was the son of his father, God, who is a builder because God is a builder. I want you to say that again. Say God is a builder. And you need to understand that your heavenly father is a builder, right? But by Jesus being a carpenter and his earthly vocation being a builder, I think it shows us something. I think it's indicative of that there's a direct connection between our natural giftings and talents and how God will use them supernaturally for his kingdom. Jesus, while he walked on the earth, would build more than just furniture. He would build more than just houses. Jesus would build people and he would build the house of God. Remember when Jesus walked by some fishermen, that was their vocation. Their vocation was a fisherman. And Jesus walked by and he says, you know what? If you'll put your life in my hands, the hands of the master builder, then you know what? I will make you and I will mold you into fishers of men. And you know what's interesting is I don't know if anybody even knew what fishers of men was. And now, as they followed you, as they followed Jesus, guess what he did? He put them in the ministry. And many of their lives today have written in the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. We're looking to them as inspiration for our lives. God is a builder. Now, I want us to understand what God says today to us. He says, you are my building. You are my building. Paul says, you are God's building. My church family, that is a huge statement that you and I are God's building. And I hope that this will help you see yourself the way that God sees you. You know, it's important that we realize that God is a builder, but it's also really important to know how he builds and why he builds. Now, Today, I'm really believing this is going to help you. There's a lot of material in this series, and we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, man, building your life on, on the rock. We're going to talk about building a good family. We're going to talk about building a good marriage. We, we, there's, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about. But today, I want to just give you kind of the chips and salsa. You know, when I speak, I like to do kind of some appetizers, and then we get, you know, a little bit of, of a salad, maybe a little bit more bread, and then we're going to dive into the meat, and then we'll have a little bit of dessert with maybe some vanilla ice cream, and I don't know how you like your ice cream. Well, I'm lactose intolerant, Pastor Phil. Okay, well then, you just, <laughs> you, 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 whatever dessert fits you. But I like to today give you the chips and salsa, and I believe that it's going to help you because I want us to realize how God builds. And here's number one, what God builds always lasts. What God builds always lasts. If you build your marriage on what God says in his principles, your marriage will last. Can I hear a good amen? If we will build our business with the principles that God gives us, our, build, our, our businesses can last. Now, here's what I want us to understand today about how God has built us to last. You were created to live forever. To live forever. You were actually made for eternity. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this, 
He has made everything appropriate. One translation says beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. So every person that is born, God sets eternity in their heart. There's eternity in your heart that God set there even before you were born. We're going to get a little bit deeper next week. But I love that word that that says eternity. He's put eternity in your heart because in the Greek, that means this. You have an unending future. Listen to that. You have an unending future. And God, you know, he can take something from ashes and make it beautiful. I was thinking about how my father had passed away I was thinking about how my grandmother passed away and my father wanted to go to heaven and so did so did my my grandma they were ready they they're like we finished our race we're ready to go to heaven and my dad said this before he passed away he says you know what phil life's going to go on and we were just like yeah i know it's going to go on but we don't want it to go on without you dad like we love you we we love laughing with you we i mean we just don't want it to go on with you now here's why i'm saying this and even with my grandmother man we mourned we we had lost her there was lost but i want to tell you this when you understand with god that you have an unending future see and we are made for eternity it's in our heart their life only ended here on earth but their life did not end it was just this side of eternity Can I hear a good amen? And so my father and my grandmother are in heaven. And I think my grandmother is actually polka dancing up there in heaven. But a lot of times we can have this limited perspective about life. And I want to tell you, you were made with an unending future. Can I hear a good amen? And I think what this does is this kind of helps us with this silent frustration that we have. And we all have it. I'm going to tell you, it's the silent frustration that there's more to life. There's a silent frustration like, man, I know that there's greatness in me. Well, how do you know that there's greatness in you? Well, because God's put eternity in your heart. God's put eternity within you. Can I hear a good amen today? And so here's the cool thing. You're going to live forever. Now, you get to choose where you live forever. You're either going to live forever with God or you're going to either live forever without God. But here's the cool thing. You get to choose. You get to choose if you're going to spend eternity with him or you're going to spend eternity without him. And I don't, I don't understand this, my church family. I really don't. There are, there are Christians who don't pray. There are Christians who don't come to church. And how are you going to spend eternity with God when you won't give him five minutes during your day? How can you spend eternity with God, but yet you won't give him an hour and 15 minutes to come to church? But you're going to spend eternity with him. But here's the cool thing. We get to choose. And I think sometimes we don't really understand when we talk about eternity, that eternity starts now. Would you say that with me? It says eternity starts now. And so if eternity starts now, right, and I'm going to live forever and eternity is in my heart, then let me ask you a question. Shouldn't we be driven by eternity? Because the truth is you're going to live longer, right, in heaven than you will on earth. You know, the Bible says that life on earth is but a vapor. I mean, I'm 50 years old and I'm just like, wow, my life has just gone by so far. But the truth is I'm going to live longer in eternity with God than I'm going to live on earth. But eternity starts now. 
And why do you say that, Phil? I say that because it's interesting how we can make all of our plans about earth. We can make all of our plans about what's happening, you know, earthly things. You know, we, we put, you know, we, we save our money. Saving is good. We invest our money. I invest our money. We save our money. All of those things are good. And we plan for retirement. All those things are great. But I want to tell you this. How much planning have we done and are driven by eternity? Because my church family, you cannot take any of your savings. You cannot take any of your investments to heaven. Can I hear a good amen? You know, when my grandmother died and we were following the hearse over to the, the grave site, my grandmother didn't have a U-Haul with all of her stuff going to the grave. No, actually all of her stuff's still at my mom's, my mom's house and they're going to have to see what they're going to do with it because you don't take anything to heaven with you. And I think that's important. It's important to plan for today. It's important to plan for tomorrow. But how much of are we planning about eternity how much are the decisions that are we making today, are we realizing it's going to affect what we do in heaven? This really, really touched my heart. You know, I was, I was researching the disciples and I was thinking about how, you know, Jesus comes by and he says, hey, look, uh, I, if you follow me, I will make you into fishers of men. Do you know when they said yes to that, to follow Jesus, God turned them into incredible incredible ministers that are heroes, but it wasn't just for earthly things. Do you know Revelation uh, chapter 21 verse 14 says this, do you know when you get to heaven and you walk into heaven, there is going to be a wall there. And in that wall, the Bible says that there are 12 foundational stones. And on these 12 foundational stones are written the names of the 12 apostles. Now listen to this. What they did on earth is in heaven now. What they did, and because what they did on earth, right, now the Bible talks about we are living stones. Remember, uh, Jesus told Peter, he said this, he said, um, Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock, not Peter, but upon the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he's called Peter the rock. The Bible calls you, you and I living stones. But because of what they did on earth, it is eternally written. Their names are eternally written in heaven. So when you, when you and I step into heaven, you know what's going to be amazing about this is that their names will forever be there because of what they did on earth. My church family, there's eternity in your heart. And what we do on earth is going to affect what happens in heaven. Can I hear a good amen today? Man, that's really, really powerful because it reminds us that we're built for eternity. And I think when we know that, that can kind of help us with our priorities and setting a priority. And I'm saying this, and I'm saying all this because I want us to understand something. Our lives are bigger than just this season. I refuse to be defined by 2020 or even 21. If my and eternity is set in my heart, eternity is longer than a year and a half. Come on, somebody. And so sometimes we're going through stuff and we forget that we're made for an unending future. And when you realize,
realize that, it helps you not to get stuck in just a moment of time. I'm so glad I didn't just quit when times were tough because eternity was in my heart. There's an unending future that God has for us. And I want to encourage you and all of those that are watching today, there is more to you than this season. Can I hear a good amen? There is more to you. You're made for eternity. Our God is a builder and he's built eternity into you. Our God is a restorer and he wants to restore. We're going to talk about that. Our God builds forever and you are God's building and what he builds lasts. Can I hear a good amen today? So what God builds lasts, but here's number two. Number two is God's builds masterpieces. God builds masterpieces. So what God's what God builds is always beautiful. You know, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. Everybody say good things that he planned for us long ago. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. So what makes a masterpiece, right? A masterpiece is something that's original. It's unique. This is how God has created us. He's created us unique. He's created us as an original. There's never going to be another you who will ever walk the earth. Even if try, people try to imitate you, you can't be cloned, right? There is, God never meant for anybody on this planet to be like you. Actually, you know, nobody will ever have your fingerprints. They, they are actually original. I was thinking about masterpieces, and I was thinking about how Leonardo da Vinci uh, he painted the Mona Lisa, and you can see the picture up there. You know, I was looking at the estimated worth of the Mona Lisa, and right now it's estimated at $867 million, something that was painted, man, so long ago, right now, estimated at $860 million. Why? Because it's unique. Because someone created it. And yet, that's what God did for you. He created you. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Listen, my church family, you were built beautiful. You were built wonderfully. Can I hear a good amen today? And so Paul said this. Paul said, I am a master builder. Why? Because, well, God is a builder. And yet Paul understood his value. Paul understood if I'm a masterpiece, then I can be a master builder. And so I love Paul because he didn't lose sight of being a masterpiece. You know, Paul went through so many things. He was shipwrecked. Man, he was beaten. He had friends in ministry that had betrayed him. And you know what? He never lost sight of what God was doing in his life. He never lost sight of his value. And he never stopped building. I want to say that again. In everything that happened to Paul, Paul never allowed all of those other things to determine his value. As a matter of fact, he was a builder. You know, when he was in prison, Paul was still productive. When he was in prison, he was still writing letters that would now be the Bible. When he was in prison, not only did he praise, but he was productive. Do you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph was in the prison of his life, and he was still a builder. In the prison of his life, he was still building other people. He was still serving 
serving other people. And it's actually what got him out of the prison because he served Pharaoh's baker and his butler. But a lot of times we can get into situations and we can get into our lives and we can get into circumstances and we don't move forward. Because let's be honest, sometimes we allow the circumstances and the things that are happening in our world to devalue, to make us devalue ourselves. And that's why it's so important. I want to remind you today that you are a masterpiece. You are not just a product of society. You are not just a product of your parents. Come on. You are not just a product of your ex-husband or your ex-girlfriend or whatever. You are God's masterpiece. Come on. Can you give him a good round of applause today if you believe that? So if I understand that I'm a masterpiece, then guess what? And my God is a builder, then I can build masterpieces. See, you can build a masterpiece family. You can build a masterpiece marriage because your God is a builder. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next next week. But number three, I want us to understand that when God builds, and even every builder, to be honest, every building has boundaries. Everybody say that word. Say boundaries. Come on, say it a little louder. Say boundaries. Every building that has been built has boundaries. And what are the purpose of boundaries? The purpose of boundaries is actually to protect what is valued. You know, as I was looking at the Mona Lisa, I was thinking about, well, what do you got to do to go see that, that beautiful painting, right? Well, here's the reality. When you go see the Mona Lisa, you can't just walk in and go see it. You actually first have to buy a ticket. You know, you have to, uh, you can't just walk up to it. Once you buy your ticket, they actually have barriers around. You have to stay within 12 feet of this masterpiece. So you can't even just go walk up to it and go, hey, well, you know, oh, I want to see, I want to take a photo. It, it, It doesn't work that way, right? There is a boundary. Why? To protect what is value. And I found this pretty interesting. They say that at the museum in France, where the uh, Mona Lisa is, out of the 2,500 employees, the, the museum employs 1,200 security guards. 1,200 security guards. Why? Because it's a masterpiece. Because it's unique. Because he made it. It's, it's a classic. And here's what Paul said. And I think he's reminding us as well. He wrote to the Corinthians to remind them that, hey, you know what? In your life, I know there's a lot going on, but you are God's building. And the the, the reality is, is that the people in Corinth were not living up to the value of a masterpiece. They were actually living their own lives. They were living in sin. And let me just tell you what sin does. Sin mars the masterpiece. You know what mars means? Mar means to disfigure. It means to, to blemish. When we live in sin, what happens is this masterpiece that God made, we can start to devalue it. It starts to disfigure our lives. And I'm so thankful that God is a restorer. I'm so thankful that God still wants to build us, but we need to understand we have the choice to do what we feel to do with this masterpiece. What you do with what God has given you is your choice. Can I hear a good amen? So in our lives, I can say, man, God is a builder. I can say, you know what? He builds and what he builds lasts. I can talk about how you're a masterpiece. I can talk about how there needs to be boundaries in our lives to protect the masterpiece. But guess what? It comes back to a decision. Are you going to honor what God has built in you? 
Are you going to honor the masterpiece that he has made you? So you have to see yourself as a masterpiece so you can value and honor that masterpiece and not allow anything, anything to devalue that. That's why there needs to be boundaries. And so Paul was reminding the Corinthian church, hey, I want to remind you who you are. First Corinthians six nineteen. He says this, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, listen to these words, honor God with your body. God has built you. Honor the building of what God has built in you. I love how the message says it. The message says, 1 Corinthians six 19, don't you see that you can't live forever, live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. Watch this. So let people see God in and through your body. This is what you were built for. You were built for God's glory. You were built, and we're going to talk more in depth about this, you were built to be God's representative right now on the earth. And so value always determines the price. And you know what your price was? The price was one of Jesus. My previous pastor used to say, you were worth one Jesus dying on the cross that he would give his life because he so valued you. So he made us a masterpiece, and yet through sin it marred us. And yet Jesus says, I will pay the price to bring you back, to make you who I have called you to be. And so my church family, I think it's important that for us to live a life that honors the price that Jesus paid. I want to say that again. I think it's important for us to honor a life and live a life that's worthy of his death. Can I hear a good amen? But see how you think about yourself. You need to understand you are God's building. You are his masterpiece. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You would never see the Mona Lisa for sale on Craigslist. You would never see a real Mona Lisa on eBay. Come on, somebody. You may see a copy, and I don't have anything against Craigslist. I love eBay. I love all of that stuff. But can I just tell you, you would not see that. You would not see the Mona Lisa at a swap meet in Riverside selling. Come on. And if we're not careful, my church family, I think what can happen in our own lives is we can allow people and even circumstances to change our price tags. And so what we do is we we give ourselves away so cheaply to things. We devalue ourselves because of this circumstance, you know, or because of this. This is why you and I have to put up boundaries. You know, there are people in your life that don't honor God's masterpiece of who you are. There are people in your life who aren't saying and edifying you and building you up, right? There are people who have access to your life because we haven't set up a boundary to protect and value our lives. Pastor Phil, do you love everybody? I love everybody. Do you, would you pray for anybody? Minister, I will pray and minister for every, to anybody. But I will tell you this, not everybody has access to my life. It was funny. I was talking to my neighbor. He's since moved. And he was complaining to me about how he has mice in his house. 
And so uh, he was telling me, you know, I, now we don't have mice in our house. Thank God. But I'm going to tell you, I, I didn't want to say it because he's my neighbor and I love him. And I didn't, you know, I just, I wanted to stay cool, stay chill with him. But he's just complaining and complaining how he has mice in his house. And I, I almost said, I know why you have mice in your house. Because you leave your freaking door open every day. The door, you leave the door open for your dog to go in and that door is open 24-7. Listen, your dog's not the only thing that's going through that door. Hello. But you know what? The mice have access to your house because you leave the door open. And now you're mad if you shut the door, figure out another way for your dog to get in or let your dog in and out. Guess what? Set up some boundaries and you won't have rodents coming in your house. See, we don't have rodents coming in our house because we don't leave our doors open. And oftentimes in our life, here we are, God has made us a masterpiece. God has made us his building. And yet we give access to people who don't value that. We give access to people who want to defame us. And yet we wonder why, man, Pastor Phil, I don't feel like a masterpiece. I want to remind you that what God builds, there's boundaries. And when he builds, he puts up boundaries. This building has a boundary. Your life needs to have boundaries. Can I hear a good amen today? And listen, I'm not talking about being mean to people, but I'm, I will tell you this, that not everybody has access to my life anymore. I've learned the hard way because as a pastor, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to be friends with that. I love everybody. But you know, I just want to say this. Jesus had three circles of friendships. He had the first circle, which was casual friendships. He loved the crowd. He went to Zacchaeus's house. Man, you know what he did? He prayed and, and he loved on Zacchaeus. But the Bible says after that, that you didn't see Zacchaeus hanging out with Jesus. He loved the crowd. But then the second circle of friends that he had was his close friends. And you know who those were? Those were the disciples. Those were people who he spent time with. Those are the people, watch, he gave more access to. Why? Because there was a purpose and a plan for their lives to become what he wanted them to become. He was going to minister to them. But you know, even out of the second circle of friends, I want you to hear this, he had a third circle, and that was Peter, James, and John. There were times in the Bible it says that the only people that went with him were Peter, James, and John. I'm going to tell you why. That is more of a covenant relationship. It is more of a brother to brother. Like there are friends who have become my brother and they have access to my life. But not everybody has access to my life. Why? Because I have boundaries. Well, Pastor Phil, how do I know if I'm supposed to let them pass the boundaries? give them little things. Trust them in the little things. Watch the way they talk. Watch the way they talk about other friends. If they approach you and they're talking about other people and they're, you know, just putting down other people. Can I just tell you, if somebody's talking uh, about somebody to you, they're going to talk about you to somebody? They do. Come on, don't just, and I know, I know we all need friends. I know in this time we need to connect, but I want to remind you, you are a masterpiece. Can I hear a good amen? And God has built you to last. And some of the things that have happened in our life is because we have not set up the proper boundaries. Can I just tell you, even the news, I set up a boundary with the news. And the boundary is this, God's word trumps everything that's on the news. This is true. This is what I'm, is, I'm going to put my faith in. But you know what? We give so many things access to our lives and then we wonder why we don't have this sense of we're a masterpiece and God wants to use us. Can I hear a good amen today? And I want to remind us today in our first talk together that you are God's building. 
that God has built in you a masterpiece. Maybe some people have hurt you. Maybe some people have abused you. But I want to come back to this and I want to remind you, not only are you his building, but listen, God is not only a builder, he is a rebuilder. And he is a restorer. I'm going to do a whole message on God as the restorer. Because there's promises that you and I can put our faith in to understand that God wants to restore. Maybe you did give some access to people. Maybe there were some things that have happened that were outside of your control. But I want to tell you, God is a restorer. God is a builder. My church family, listen, right now, it's time to build. It's time to build. We can't look at what's going on and just say, well, just kind of see what happens. Que sera, que sera, whatever happened. No, now is the time to build. It's the time to build your life. It's the time to build your family, your marriage. And listen, it's time to build God's house. Can I hear a good amen today? And what God builds always lasts. Would you stand this morning? Are you glad you came to church today? Four of you are glad. That's good. I'll take you four. God is a builder. It's time to build. It's time to build your life on the right things. It's time to see God move in your life. It's time. It's time to build. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, so much for making us your building, for fearfully and wonderfully making us. You don't make garbage. You don't make mistakes. You make and build beautiful things. And you can take ashes and turn them into beauty. You are a builder. You are creator. You are the designer of our lives, Lord. And so today we want to come back to you, Lord. And we want to remind ourselves of the value that you've placed on our life. We want to remind ourselves of the gift of Jesus that paid such a high price for our sin to bring us back to be the masterpiece that you have created us to be. And for just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online or here in person, and you've never asked God to come inside your heart, you never asked Jesus. God gave Jesus to buy us back from our own sin. He put Jesus on the cross. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and for me. And he did that so you could be forgiven of your sins and Jesus could come inside your heart. You know, the Bible says that you are God's building. Did you know that your body is meant to house the very presence of the Holy Spirit? That's so powerful. He wants to live inside of you today. And if you have never asked him, if you've never said a prayer and said, Jesus, come inside my heart and make me new, let's do that today. I'd love for you to repeat after me and invite God to come inside your heart and forgive you of all of your sins. Let's pray. If you've never prayed this prayer, I want you to repeat after me. Say this. Say, Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. I thank you for Jesus, for him coming to the earth and dying for my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart. Make me new. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will live for you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. I want to pray. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't know and I don't know. It's not my business, but it is your business. The Holy Spirit knows what people in this room have gone through. Lord, your Holy Spirit knows the loss. Your Holy Spirit knows the stress right now. And oftentimes, Lord, we allow that to change our price tag of who you've made us to be. And Lord, I pray right now that there would be an awareness in our life and in our spirit of the value of how much you care for us, how much you love us, how much you want to take care of us today. And so, Father God, I pray right now that you would heal people's hearts. You would heal people's bodies right now, the people that are watching. We had somebody text us and say, please pray for us. Because at work, there was a a COVID exposure. You know, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for healing. We rebuke COVID in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you have made us to be your masterpiece. To house the very presence of God in our lives. We are your building. And may our lives reflect your glory. Lord, I pray that you would take the ashes that have come from this season and turn it into something beautiful. Lord, that's what you do. You can turn things around. You can take what the enemy meant for evil and you can make it good in Jesus' name. And we thank you. And Lord, as we embark on this series, because we know that you are a builder, Lord, I pray that you would help us build. That we would build like you. Build things that would last. Build masterpieces. Build to your honor and glory because our Father is a builder. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, I believe there's a good message to kick off this series. Don't miss next week. I'm excited about the next two weeks. I think it's really going to help us. Say this with me. Say, God is a builder. Come on, say it loud. Say, God is a builder. So I'm a builder. One more time. God is a builder. So I'm a builder. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.